Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, February 22nd. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the State Department of Child Protection Services seeking to fill gaps in social workers throughout the Mississippi. There's a shortage. Then many people are asking why their energy bills are so high this month. More from the latest installment of the Utility Bill of the Month report. And that's from the Gulf States Newsroom. Plus, the White House is rolling out another round of student loan forgiveness. Hear what that means for Mississippians. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Mississippi Department of Child Protection Services is reporting a critical shortage of well-prepared social workers. Our job requires people where children are. We can't send in robots. We can't send in drones. So having enough people to meet the needs of the children is our, our primary focus. That's Commissioner Andrea Sanders, who leads the agency. To help bridge gaps in the social work system, CPS is offering a scholarship program to help train new employees and get them to stay in Mississippi. Since the Mississippi Academic Pathways Program was founded last summer, it's awarded more than $1.5 million in social work scholarships to 112 students. That's according to Sanders. She spoke to lawmakers and members of the media during an event at the state capitol yesterday. It will help ensure that we have future social workers that are prepared and ready. It will also help ensure that they are able to further their education and continue towards excellence. So this scholarship will both give them access to education, it will help ensure consistency in our training across the state for child welfare work, and it will ensure that they have real life experience with the agency and are well prepared for the work we're asking them to do. The scholarships are money, they're based on funding that's already being spent in local universities across the state We're using that funding to draw down additional federal dollars that have not come into the state in the past. So the MAP scholars not only receive scholarships, but they also receive the opportunity to come intern with our our agency, spend time learning about the work, and they agree that they will come and work for a year with the agency after they finish their education. It's what I call a win-win-win for Mississippi. 
It is not costing additional state dollars. It is leveraging those dollars that are already being spent. Right now, in the MAP Internship Scholarship Program, we have over 100 students across the state at all of the universities represented here who are preparing to come out and help children and families in Mississippi through the Department of Child Protection Services. The scholarship program covers tuition for at least the last semester of a bachelor's degree and the last two semesters of a master's program. Awardees are required to work for Child Protective Services for at least one year after they graduate. In addition to the benefit of getting more social workers hired, the program isn't costing the state any money, as you heard Sanders mention. A percentage of the scholarship funds are reimbursed by the federal government. The rest is funded through other federal refunds associated with social work programs universities receive. Commissioner Sanders says this funding will ensure students are more prepared for the numerous challenges they'll face in the field of social work. The more graduates we produce, the more children we can reach. And this work, honestly, is often about life and death. So it it makes a huge difference in Mississippi for safety and stability of families and children. Our caseworkers are first responders 24-7 in families and homes when there's a concern about safety of a child. We do that work on an 8-to-5 agency business model. Our educators and supporters are making it possible for us to staff to a level that we can actually become successful and proficient in doing that work around the clock. Several students attended the event at the Capitol to meet with lawmakers and advocate for the scholarship's expansion. Emily Mitchell works as a CPS licensure specialist for Hancock County, and she's one of the scholarship recipients. She says this is the kind of work she's wanted to do her entire life. I have been interested um, in working with children um, who've been abused since I was a little girl. I had a lot of friends that at the time I didn't know that that's what they were experiencing. But now as an adult, I just knew that I wanted to to do more. And so in college, I was a CASA advocate um, at Ole Miss in Lafayette County. And I told myself I wanted to do more. And so when I got this job um, as a licensure specialist, I get to license our foster homes. I get to work with our parents and actually help them build the foundation to be successful foster parents, to to know how to, to deal with children who have gone through such trauma and help them adjust through this process. So it's all been a journey, but I'm so excited to be part of it. Mississippi has the lowest median wage for social workers in the nation, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. That median average, $38,000 per year. Officials hope further investments can help increase salaries and attract more workers. Next, many people are asking why their energy bills are so high this month. More in the latest installment of the Utility Bill of the Month report from the Gulf States Newsroom. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On Money Talks, we discuss money news and take your questions about personal finance. For 15 years, we've provided free financial information for Mississippians. I hope you can join me, Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, co-host of Money Talks, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. or anytime on our podcast. 
MPB Think Radio airs local programs every weekday morning at 9. It's your chance to learn about Southern cooking, home improvement projects, and more. MPB Think Radio, Mississippi is our mission. For Moments in Black History, we salute former Representative Alice Clark, who was the first black woman elected to the Mississippi legislature. And now she's the first black person and first woman to have a portrait on display in the state capitol. Elected in 1985, Clark, currently an 84-year-old living in Jackson, served 39 years before deciding not to seek re-election in 2023. This has been an MPB Moment in Black History. On Money Talks, we discuss money news and take your questions about personal finance. For 15 years, we've provided free financial information for Mississippians. I hope you can join me, Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, co-host of Money Talks, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. or anytime on our podcast. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Cold weather this past January caused some power bills to double, even triple, across the Gulf South. Now some Alabama customers are questioning how much can really be blamed on just the cold. That brings us to February's Utility Bill of the Month. Stephen Basaha of the Gulf States Newsroom reports on what and who to blame when power bills go up. Before we get to Wilbert's heating bill, it's important to know his apartment is tiny, like 400 square feet tiny. The living room is basically all couch, going from the front door to kitchen counter. But what really sealed the deal, to be perfectly honest, was when I walked outside the door ready to leave the place, I turned to my left and looked and saw that. Oh, we got a great view of downtown. Fantastic view of downtown. We stepped outside to see Bert's view of Birmingham skyscrapers. He moved here from Tuscaloosa at the start of the year, and not long after that, he got a rare sight. He watched snow falling across the city. Yeah, the, the, the main reason behind, you know, our conversation today, more than likely. Yeah, right, we could not let this uh, warm air out. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. In mid-January, temperatures dropped across the Gulf South. In Birmingham, it got as low as 10 degrees. Still, Bert was not expecting an expensive heating bill. He wasn't home often and made sure to turn off the heat before he left. And so I'm expecting maybe probably like 30 or 40 bucks in power, if that. You know, and then I see more than three times that. That bill for his tiny apartment came in at 150 bucks. My first thought was just ask the community, hey, what's going on? Why is my power bill 150 bucks when I live alone and I'm you know, not here half the time? And when I am here, I don't do anything. He asked that question on Birmingham's Reddit page. The post got more than 100 comments showing he was not alone, and that others here had it a lot worse. One person said their bill for January is normally around 200 to 250, and this past January it was 599. Look, the cold weather is obviously a big factor here, but some customers are pointing their fingers and blame for their bills at Alabama Power and state regulators like the Alabama Public Service Commission. And the commission has been pointing the blame elsewhere their own fingers aimed at the Biden administration. The commission says Biden's energy policies are what's driving up electricity costs. In short, decisions on the federal level do affect the price of fuel. But so do a lot of other things like the war in Ukraine. Rachel Gold is with the nonprofit energy think tank Rocky Mountain Institute. When gas prices go really high, for example, we've seen volatility in prices um, that have led to 
doubling or tripling of bills. But Gold is not letting Alabama regulators off easy here. She says those regulators, the ones pointing the finger and blame at Biden, allow Alabama Power to pass 100 percent of its fuel costs to customers. If fuel costs spike, only customers take the hit. The company doesn't. Gold says that's the case in most states. And the result is utilities don't have a good reason to find ways to spend less on fuel. Utilities should have some skin in the game around fuel costs. Alabama Power blamed a large part of the rise in electricity prices on inflation. But inflation hasn't really hurt their bottom line. In fact, they made so much profit last year, regulators actually said they have to give nearly $15 million back to customers. But if you're the typical Alabama customer, don't expect much of a windfall here. For a standard household, we're talking like five bucks. We also have another big thing working against our bills in the South. Buildings here are a lot less energy efficient, so keeping them warm takes a lot more power. Because building codes aren't the most up-to-date, and because in general the region hasn't done as much to invest in energy efficiency programs, the quality of building stock is often lower. In fact, our states don't just use a lot of power. They use the most power. Literally, Louisiana, Alabama, and Mississippi are numbers one, two, and three when it comes to how much electricity gets used per customer, according to WalletHub. Now, some of the responsibility of keeping homes efficient and using less power comes down to the customer. For his part, Will Burt is now running an experiment. After spending 150 bucks on electricity, he's trying to see how low he could get his bill. He's learned that it's better to keep his heat steady rather than turning it on and off, and he's wearing warmer clothes. Yeah, fuzzy socks and, you know, the want a jacket. That's if you don't want to, you know, spend the money or roll the dice and potentially get a higher power bill. Now, warm socks and weather stripping your home can really make a difference with your power bill. Same with whatever happens on the global fuel market. But utilities and state regulators could be doing more to keep those bills down. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Stephen Basaha. The Gulf States Newsroom is a partnership between Mississippi Public Broadcasting and public radio stations in Alabama and Louisiana. Coming up, the White House is rolling out another round of student loan forgiveness. Hear what that could mean for Mississippians. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Want to keep up with MPB? Go to mpbonline.org. Or you can find us on social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at MPB Online. Classical, jazz, indie, blues, folk, bluegrass, whatever you call your music. Find it on MPB Music Radio on mpbonline.org or the MPB Public Media app or on an HD radio. For Moments in Black History, we salute Walter Payton. Born in Columbia, Mississippi, he played football as a Jackson State Tiger and a Chicago Bear, a nine-time Pro Bowl selection and widely regarded as one of the greatest football players of all time. Sweetness had the NFL's Man of the Year Award named after him, the Walter Payton Award. This has been an MPB Moment in Black History. Hi, I'm Richard Gershon, the host of In Legal Terms and a professor at the University of Mississippi School of Law. If you miss a live In Legal Terms episode, find our podcast, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. More than 150,000 Americans are having their student loans forgiven, according to data from the White House. Nearly 11 percent of Mississippians with student loans are delinquent in repaying that debt. In total, the state has more than 439,000 residents with student loans, owing an average of roughly $37,000. John Donenberg is deputy director of the National Economic Council at the White House. He says this new round of student loan forgiveness could help people struggling to pay their bills, and it's not too late to apply for future forgiveness. So what the president is announcing today is relief for more than 150,000 Americans who are currently enrolled in the SAVE program, uh, and that includes folks right here in Mississippi. Now, SAVE is an income-based repayment program run by the Department of Education. And what that means is if you owe student loans, you can go to the Department of Education's website at studentaid.gov and look up the program and see if it's right for you. And the way that it works is once you sign up for SAVE, your monthly payments are capped at a reasonable amount of money per month so that you're not crushed by your student loan debt. And then over time, if you continue to make payments, you are eventually eligible for full forgiveness at the end of a period of years. And so there are 7.5 million people across the country who are signed up for SAVE. And among those folks, there are a number of people who have actually been making their payments for years on their student loans. So what we are saying today and what the president is announcing is that for those folks who have actually been making their payments for a long time, you know, at least 10 years uh, for folks who had $12,000 or less in loans, and a few years longer for people that had higher burdens, uh, we're going to provide that full forgiveness uh, today, as though the SAVE program had been around forever. But, you know, critically, enrolling in this program is something that any American can do. It is free, and it would be hugely beneficial to a number of people who aren't currently in it, including a lot of folks in Mississippi. So is it limited to those who owe $12,000 or less in repayment? Uh, no, it's not. So the way that SAVE works is, you know, you have to pay every month and you, you're asked to pay 5% of your discretionary income. That's the amount of money you have, you know, from your paycheck after we take out your, you know, your required expenses, your housing, your car payments, these sorts of things. And then if you make those monthly payments at 5% for uh, a number of years, depending on how much you owe, eventually you get forgiveness at the back end. So it's as little as 10 years. If you are at $12,000 in debt, and as your debt goes up, you know, $1,000 above that, it's like one more year. So if you owe $14,000, you would get full forgiveness after 12 years. But in the meantime, you know, your monthly payments will be much lower. And the relief that we're giving out today is for people who have actually been making their student loan payments for a number of years. Now, the SAVE program is new. President Biden created it in order to have an uh, easier path for people to be able to pay their loans. But what he uh, decided was, if you are someone who's been making those payments, you shouldn't have to wait another 10 years. If you've been making them in the way in which anybody in the program would get forgiveness, we're going to move up that forgiveness uh, to today. I understand in Mississippi, 10.7% of borrowers are delinquent in repaying their student loans. And there's a total of 439,000 student loan borrowers I can't even get that word out. Borrowers, each with more than 36000 in debt. 
So that's a lot of money to get down to something reasonable that they can afford, is it not? Yes. Yeah, it definitely is. And, you know, one of the important things to remember is that the SAVE program is particularly helpful to you if you are in financial distress. So, you know, the as I, as I mentioned, the way the program works is you're expected to pay 5% of your discretionary budget. And for a lot of working people, there's not that much money left over after you get past your expenses. And the SAVE program recognizes that. So, for example, nationally, we have about 7.5 million people who have signed up for SAVE. More than four million of those people are make are expected to make zero dollars in payments every month. Why are they expected to make zero dollars? Because their discretionary income is just very low. And so, you know, for those folks, so long as they enroll in the program and they stay current, they don't need to make uh, payments on their loans unless their income goes up and they can afford to pay more. Then they're going to end up paying more. Um, but that will that type of program is extremely helpful for working people who are really struggling on their payments. It's extremely helpful for people who are really experiencing that kind of financial hardship where they can't afford to repay their loans. And, you know, if you think about the statistics across the country, as I mentioned, we have seven and a half million people who've signed up for SAVE uh, so far, but there's 40, more than 40 million people in the country that have student loans. So there are a lot more people in Mississippi who could be eligible for lower payments and relief than we have signed up today. You know, uh, there are uh, 439,000 borrowers in Mississippi. Um, and there are a lot of those folks who aren't currently signed up for SAVE who could sign up for it and see substantial relief. So that's why we're encouraging people to go to studentaid.gov, look up the program, put in your information, and see if it's a good fit for you. If you have a payment of zero, what does that mean for the debt that you owe? So the way that, the way that it works is um, SAVE will calculate you know, what is that reasonable payment for you every month? And so long as you're meeting what that reasonable payment is month after month, eventually you'll get full forgiveness. So if you remain at a low income, working class income, and you're subject to zero payments, you could be in that status for 10 years, 12 years, and then have your debt all forgiven at the end of the process. Now, if later, if in later years you start to, you know, make uh, more money, you have more discretionary income, then we're going to ask you to pay a little bit of that in, right? 5% of your income. Um, but if that doesn't happen, then you have the ability to potentially go through the entire program, not have to make monthly payments, and eventually get full forgiveness of your loans. And that's why we think it's so important that people take a look at it. You know, not enough people know about it. And the more uh, folks that sign up, uh, the more folks are eligible for relief that they're entitled to under federal law. And all the information that's submitted is verifiable? Remember, the Department of Education, if you have student loans, has a bunch of information about your student loan burden, right? Because the department is the people that actually administer the loans. So really what this is about is, you know, raising your hand and telling the federal government you want to uh, sign up for this program. And then once you do that, you know, most of that gets taken care of on the back end. We just need people to show up and raise their hands and say they want to be considered for it so that we can enroll them and make sure that they can start getting the kinds of reduced payments and the kinds of relief, really, that they're entitled to under the law. And ultimately, who does not get paid in this situation? Is it the federal government? Uh, yes, that's, that's correct. Is there an idea, a, a suggested or estimated amount of what is being lost by not pursuing these funds? Uh, yeah, you know, the, the answer to that question really depends on the individual circumstances of the people who sign up. 
But we know, for example, you know, 10.7% uh, of borrowers in Mississippi are delinquent on paying their loans, right? We know that there are lots of borrowers who currently can't pay and currently aren't able to pay. And so by enrolling people in the SAVE program and making it so that their burdens are lower and are more reasonable, we actually improve the ability to collect uh, on some of those debts. And where, you know, where the burdens are too high, you know, the president's view is very clear. Uh, education should be a path to building a future for yourself and for your family. You know, it should not be a sentence that ends up really handcuffing you and your ability, uh, you know, to build a future for yourself and for your family. And so that's what this program is about. All right. John Donenberg, Deputy Director for the Economic Policy Council at the White House. Thank you so much for explaining this program and giving us some insight that we can share with our listeners. Of course. Happy to talk. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.